Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Foreign Takes. I'm here with my boys. Who's here with me? The Gaines God, bro. That's who's here with you. <laughs> the Gaines God. Wow, that's a new yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> Who else is here? Gain G, a satisfied Man United fan. I'm not doing any gains, but I am gaining positive emotions today. Oh my God. Honestly, we should just jump right into it. I feel like it's been an interesting weekend. There was a battle for what a lot of people would say is the fourth or fifth Champions League spot. That was Aston Villa 1, Man United 2, a Scotty, aka the Scottish Maradona winner. KG, thoughts on the game overall? Scott McTominay. Bro, look look at who's singing Scott McTominay songs, his biggest hater and detractor. Like, how do you, like, how do you have the nerve? The nerve of this man <laughs> to be singing Club McTominay songs. I have to say, we discussed this before and me and Whitey both agreed on one thing. He should play as a top, like a number nine and Tony Hawk should utilize him that way. This is exactly what he did this game. He just put him on. They played 4-2-2. So it was Garnacho and Fernandez playing more wide. Uh, Mino and Casemiro and CDM. And then Scott McTominay and Hoyman played as a double pivot up front. And he did his job. He came in, he headed it in. That's the only thing he can do. Great win for United. They have a shot for the top four. They have a good, great bounce of great results for the past three games, three wins. Hoyun scores. United are beginning to roll with all the all the injury, injuries hopefully behind them. Sadly, Shaw got subbed. That also, you've seen the effect, right? Rashford became completely non-existent as soon as Shaw Non-existent. Was Useless. Useless. Like once Shaw is playing, you can see that he does something because he just makes those runs. Shaw's losing his fat <laughs> by just making those <laughs> runs without without anything. But then w- when he doesn't have that, when he has Lindelof or anyone else for that matter, Rashford becomes incompetent and useless. I have to say this this midfield three you've been starting of Casemiro as the true I I think we would say six. Uh, mm. Menu as kind of with him as a double pivot, but he's almost as an eight as a they're the base, and then Fernandez gets to float as the attacking midfielder, seems to be working, right? I feel like it's experience, there's youth, there's Fernandez's creativity. It seems like you guys have unlocked a, a, a working midfield trio in many ways. Yeah, it works in, it works in many ways. And um, I don't know what they're going to do in terms of wingers. Like At the beginning of the season, you will look at it and you would see that they have Garnacho, they have Sancho, they have Rashford, Anthony should have had a better season. And now, in reality, you only have Garnacho. You don't have anyone else out of all of those people. So, And with playing of two up front or doing McTominay things or whatnot, Fernando's creativity gets lost sometimes, but he is a very efficient midfielder, I should say. I don't know. They, they had three good results. I don't know. It's more important for you guys than for me, probably. I mean, it is important, but next weekend, they're playing against Man City. So, can they take that momentum and take some points off of them away that they had? Bro, I, I hope, believe but so. like, every time it happened, they shot the bed. Yes. I, not like every time I was hoping United would at least get a point from the city, they like soiled no. themselves like a ninety-year-old Florida. I Tyree. disagree. I, I disagree. United. <laughs> United. Uh, when did they ever come through to help? Only like... one. Only one. The Man City twice. Pep couldn't beat Ole. They drew with them on Old Trafford. Pogba came that's back and they won three-two. That's, that's where you didn't compete. That's why it was like, ancient it's like... history. Yeah, that was like five years ago. Like you gave me like a Putin answer. In 18th, 8th century BC, Prince Rurik took points off Pep Guardiola. Like, that's 
All it was two years ago. All it was two years ago. It's not ancient. It's two years ago. Literally, the but, previous manager did that. But, but okay. Now, looking forward though, I mean, the truth is, I don't. I have no expectations, right? Like, so let's quickly touch on the city wins. The city won at home two zero against Everton. Do we? They just look like they're back, right? This, this, this feels the start of their bullshit second half of the season. Eighteen wins in a row. Yeah. Run. Yeah, yeah. It looks like that. It, I mean, the the thought that came across my mind, and you said this before, wait. It's I don't like. Pep teams not because they're winning all the time it's because their football is not interesting it's boring exactly it's exactly. boring i think i, I shared a, a reel in our chat but it was some some game and it was just flicks and tricks and it was just this this period of time of football where people were winning with flicks and tricks even barcelona that was pep's barcelona that the tiki taka it was more it was very soothing to watch it could have been like borderline boring but it was beautiful there's more technique to it whereas with this city team the players that go there they lose their like Riyad Mahrez that's the real that I was talking about Riyad Mahrez was a baller at Leicester City like everything he did was golden like he the touch the pass and then when he went to City he just became this regular dude who plays under Pep Guardiola in a certain position is expected to do the same thing it's akin to what the NFL is like you do yes. a run, you run five meters, you stop there. That's that's what City do. It's very well run oil machine. It's very interesting, but it's not natural. It's not. Full. It's a system, right? It's a, it's a system yeah. team. It's not a. There's no brilliance. I I, I agree. I really, except for listen, Kevin De Bruyne. Except yes, yeah. but then that's because it's Kevin De Bruyne, right? Like you yeah. have to. It's like trying to restrict Messi. And I'm not equating yeah. them, obviously, but I'm just saying, like in the midfield, you have to. So we'll see. I think the other game today was also an interesting game, which was West Ham zero, Arsenal six. <laughs> interesting game for you for you you know what it is honestly when you see the halftime there was like a screenshot i think it was like maybe 40th minute and it's just the west ham fans streaming streaming out streaming out on the end bridge of, end of the first half yeah end of the first end half, of the first and, half. and you, that's just how, it, that's all you need to know about how that game was going if you just that one picture said everything um it was yeah i think the end of the first half was 76 percent possession and West Ham had, I think, one corner, zero shots, zero shots on target. Literally, it was like nothing. They had not not done a single thing. That, that's they didn't show up. They, didn't they just they didn't show up. At home. But honestly, it felt more than they didn't show up. It felt like they had thrown the towel in. Like, it felt like there was, like, they had given up playing for any pride for the team, for the manager, for the fans. It just felt like their bodies were there, but nothing else was there. Like honestly, yeah, it was it was completely completely a blank performance. I would say. Yeah. Do you do you think that they they they're giving up on David Moyes? Yes, I think Big Love had really called it out a while ago. I think it was like the end of the last season. He's like, it was really adamant, like he should leave, he should leave. And I think you and I were beginning to get there about Moyes should leave, but. After watching them today, because, you know, I've watched them enough times to be like, some days they're hot, some days they're cold. But today, it wasn't just cold. It was like they had given up. Like, there's, they're not, he's done. They, they've thrown he's the towel in. He, it, it looks like he's done. I think he was done last season. He, there was a similar performance towards the end of that season, last season, similar to this, but they were 14. They had a good stretch of results in the beginning of the first half of the season. But then this year, like, it's been like already two months in 2024. They have zero wins, one or two draws. They drew Sheffield United away. It's just like, like, it seems like they're not playing for the manager anymore. It's time for him. Like I yeah. don't know. He looked he looked heartbroken on the bench. To be honest, there was a moment you see him, and it wasn't just like he's angry or anything. He just looked sad. Like even I, yeah. I, I think we were up four or five goals. Like mm-hmm. I was happy, obviously, but then you see him and you just like 
you feel bad for this manager who's just sitting there looking at his team being like, what more am I supposed to possibly do? I, I don't know. I, I did feel a his, little bad. His subs didn't work too. Like not, he put not on, at all. He put on Calvin Phillips, who was pre this match, said that, oh, Pep Guardiola called me fat. I didn't feel bad. He was saying the right thing, but he could have said it in a nicer way. Like essentially, <laughs> this is what he said. And then he came on and the whole point of like the subs that Moyes did, if you look at it, it wasn't a sub of like, oh, let's go get a goal. Let's go try to get in this game somehow. Let's show them what's up. He substituted literally a center back and uh, Alvarez as a defensive midfielder and he put on Calvin Phillips and Mavropanos to shore, shoreline the back and literally as soon as the second half, second half started Arsenal scored fifth and sixth goals and that CDM spot was so empty like the, the Kai Havertz was accepting that ball straight behind the four midfielders of West Ham like you put on the center defensive midfielder who's supposed to cut off those passes and he's just being too busy eating McDonald's. I don't know what, what he's it doing. It was embarrassing, right? I, honestly, I, like, here's the thing. People are going to see that West Ham, and like, it's one of those, you know, unfortunate things like West Ham played terribly, but Arsenal also played to the maximum. So the two yeah. combined, like if it was just Arsenal had an okay game, but they were terrible, it would have been 2-3-0 or the other side. But it was, you're right. And I think the switching between uh, Kai Havertz and Leandro Trossard on the left midfield attack yeah. position and then the false nine, the it looked like West Ham had never seen players switching positions before. Because you're right, yeah. like whether it was uh, Alvarez, whether it was uh, even Ward Prowse at many moments, how do you get overwhelmed when you have eight defenders versus four forwards and they were still getting completely, they were losing their, it was honestly a little embarrassing to be honest. I felt like yeah. there, there was a little bit of pride missing from the team. But as yeah. far as Arsenal is concerned, 10 out of 10 performances pretty much everywhere, honestly speaking. Yeah, well, Arsenal did what what they had to do to the max. Like, there's no point in talking about Arsenal. That's how, how bad the opposition was. Like, it's not that Arsenal, like, over-edged them in a 1-1 situation. They scored one or two and showed resilience. It's just they, they beat up a little kid. That's, yeah. that's what, yeah. what it looked like. It really and, did feel like that. Yeah, but... But, like, this is the perfect opportunity for West Ham owners to sack him. This today is like the best thing to do. The next thing to do is just to get rid of him. I know they have the Europa League, you know, you're sixth. Like, if you bring in someone else, he's not going to finish you lower than 12. Just let him go, let them pour mango. They're not listening to him, okay? Yeah, I, I agree. Honestly, just to wrap up the top three, the other win yesterday was Liverpool at home against Burnley. Uh, Liverpool had three. Or as uh, Big Love likes to say, uh, Nunizi, Darwinizi for twenty <laughs> for president. Darwinizi, bro. Darwinizi. How can you not learn? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Big Love, overall thoughts on that game? It seemed like a pretty routine win, in all honesty. Um, it seemed a routine win, but honestly, I wasn't a fan of how many chances um, Fofana had. The defense fell asleep twice, so that's that's something to work on, definitely. And um, I don't know, man. Uh, we're all good. I, I think what's a theme of Liverpool this year is very good substitutions. You saw Harvey Elliott come on, make two assists, basically turn the game around. I just, uh, but we, we need Salah back. I think we're lacking creativity that we had before. And Darvizi remains to uh, remains as frustrating as it was before because he missed like one on one. And then he, this goal he scored was not an easy goal to score. He had to twist his head back and kind of head it in so um yeah we need we need those people back there's still a lot of people injured uh Salah is injured Soboslai is injured Thiago went back to that I don't know I think he had just like a, some unfinished business as a ghost in this world and I, I guess to finish it <laughs> I think he just he just likes the nurses the attention that yeah. he gets from the nurses he's just like yeah bro 
I don't get enough applause from the the crowd. I'm just going to go back. But it's like, you know, when you think about it, it's like you're missing, obviously, your best forward, Salah, and then arguably your best midfielder in Shobosla, and you guys are still continuing. So it's a good sign, right? As far as Liverpool's concerned, it's like you're you're gone through the, the, the dangerous patch where you knew that you're missing players, and you've come out basically outside of the, obviously, the Arsenal loss. You're still only two points behind, or you'll be one point behind City after City win there. Well, that, so that's it's a pretty good if, position. That's the frustrating if. part. We came out to this period, really hard period, when there's a lot of games without Salah and a lot of people injured. Only lost one game. That's you can't like. That's very losable game. You you're not gonna plan to win at Emirates against this Arsenal, and then we're still kind of behind. So that yep. that's that's. Bullshit. <laughs> the only concern I would have for Liverpool is their defense worries with, with Trent and all that. That's the only concern looking at Liverpool I have. Going forward, they're a well-run oil machine, but at the back, I mean, I really did not expect them to concede from Burnley. I really didn't. And, I mean, they they turned back because, I mean, it's Burnley. Burnley can only probably muster one goal. Uh, uh, but there's nothing to say against Burnley as well. Burnley are getting relegated. It's just... A matter it's of done. time. Okay. Yeah, I think they I had done. a question for both of you. So now, there, this is officially now with Aston Villa losing, Tottenham overtaking them in the fourth. By the way, last minute winner against Brighton. Brighton falling down towards Newcastle. We're seeing this separation now for the fourth and fifth spots. It's between United, Aston Villa, and Tottenham. That's to be decided in the next stretch of the Premier League games. But for the next period, we have a top three title race. It's Liverpool, Arsenal, City. How long do you think it's going to be a three-horse title race until when, essentially? Until what? What's your cutoff and when is going to be a two-horse or one one team completely running away with it? I, I think till basically for another month and a half, till, till closer to the middle of uh, March. Sorry, so late March, mid-March, yeah. I think it's going to be a three-horse play until one of them is going to drop and then it's going to be two. I think, yep. But yeah, I, I think they're going to keep this up. I think there's... The, the truth is, like as much as we dislike City and they're going to get inevitable wins, there are teams that can punish you. They can lose to Wolves. They can lose to Brentford. So they, people will still pick up points against them. So I think there's at least another month and a half, two months when it's a three-way race. But at that stage, I think realistically, sadly to say, one of Arsenal or Liverpool are probably going to drop out of the race at that who stage. By your, I mean, you're, I know you both of you are biased, but who do you think? Come mid-March, April 1st, who is the top two horses? Who is the third falling along, hoping that they're going to drop off even third? I mean, obviously, I think I can speak for both Big Lev and I. I hope it's Liverpool v. Arsenal, who are still in it, and yeah. City have been the ones. I think we can all dream, right? But as in looking at just like, the, the not as an Arsenal fan, but like objectively, I think Liverpool have so much more depth up front. Like, they have their starting three. They can rotate another four players. I think that might play an edge. But that's my brain speaking. My heart says Arsenal. I think, like, this year we can keep pushing to the very end. Well, my both my brain and heart says Liverpool will stay in. <laughs> but here's, here's the thing, okay? March. City are playing Liverpool at Anfield, Brighton away, Arsenal at home, and then Aston Villa at home. And sprinkle in some, um, they're probably going to have the quarterfinals of the Champions League there. There could be a point, very unlikely, where they might lose two out of those four games. And then suddenly, they're the ones that are kind of on the out and out. Yes. Uh, But I think, I think, March 10th, Liverpool City, if by then Liverpool are not ahead or they lose that game at home to City... There's a bigger chance Liverpool falls off by April. 
I think that both both of, all the three teams have like Champions League and Europa League games, so that's going to be interesting to see how much playing midweek back now because it's been two three yeah. months without midweek how it's going to affect them because City can also drop off I don't know they're not going to drop off against Copenhagen but the next round if they get a, like an Inter Milan or Atletico Madrid like yeah they but can... they'll have to play that round and then yeah that's, that's yeah. very far in you're, if you're getting if you're playing quarterfinals it's already kind of, the only thing yeah. left is semifinals in like April May Wow. Um, let's You'll see. thank me next week when United take away points from City. We'll just thank. Well, listen, Scott, we, Mc, um, Scott McTominay, ninety-third header, <laughs> three-two. Scott McTominay, and you are all gonna sing the Scott McTominay song of that. I, I will happily. I think Big Levin. I will happily sing it yeah. if you guys do that next week. <laughs> Let me tell you that. Um, well, so yeah. the thing is, uh, Liverpool has pretty cakewalk schedule between now and when they play City. Yeah. yeah. So, I think, if they don't see, win all the games between now and then, then I, I think then it's fair to assume that Liverpool will drop off. See, this, I mean, this is I would say I would have said something similar for Arsenal because we play Burnley and Sheffield, but we also have games against Brentford and Newcastle interspersed. So it's one of those where you go for like there's no easy game. I think is something we've learned. Yeah. Right? That, that's yeah. Someone could say oh Sheffield, but like they can still show. But outside of maybe Sheffield and Luton, and again we had to struggle with Luton. It's like every team can beat you. That's that's the thing. It's like every team can beat you. It's so that's why it makes it so yeah. difficult to predict. I would say Nottingham versus Liverpool away. That's before the Man City game is going to be tough because Nottingham's probably going to be fighting for relegation already seriously there. That's the only Liverpool tough game that they have. If you yeah. See. So yeah, I agree with. It'll Liverpool. be interesting. But again, interesting. It, it feels like we have a good year, right? This is the second year in a row for the Premier League as far as competition. I know it ended badly last year, but like it's at least pleasing that we're. Already late February, sorry, mid February, and we still have a title race on our hands. So it we feels, agree. yeah. All of us, all of us said it. All of us said it is going to be closer. All of us said it's going to be a three horses race. It's just I believe that Aaron Teha can do be the third team up there. Yeah, mm. didn't happen, but all of us agreed that this is this is going to be a much closer title race. So we were spot on. So listen to us more. <laughs> Hear that? Yeah. Um, yeah. On that topic, I think we should just switch to Syria. The, I think the big game, obviously, in Serie A was uh, Roma at home against Inter uh, Milan. And I think it was crazy. Like, there was a moment, and of course, Milan and Napoli haven't played, and Juventus is going to play tomorrow, uh, so, aka Monday. But Inter came through, Bikeji. We were watching the game, and Roma seemed like, oh, they might be doing something. But Inter's class yeah. just showed at the end of the game. Inter is just miles ahead. Again, we're, we're, we're singing their praises pretty pretty heavily here and people are not happy that we're not naming Man City as the number one runner-up for the Champions League but yeah Inter Milan they're running away with it it's their lead like there's no ifs and or buts about it they, if they lose, it's on them. It was just interesting to see Roma is their first loss after Daniel De Rossi stepped in instead of Jose Mourinho. And they were close to winning it. They, yeah. they scored two on Inter, which not a lot of people do. But Inter came under the second half and they just did their business. Not only did they score two, but Lakaka fucked up another two chances. Oh, yeah, so I was going to say, that was their biggest mistake, signing Lakaka. Lakaka... <laughs> <laughs> Lakaka is just so terrible. But the, th- the truth is, I mean, De Rossi, he came in pretty much the best time, right? He had three relatively easy games, so three, like two or three easy games. So this is the first time. But 
it's a good sign for the rest of the season for Roma, right? I think they're yeah. only three points behind or four points behind the fourth spot, Atalanta, where I'm currently winning as we're talking. So they could still sneak into the top four and get Champions League. That, that's how, you know, it's like, it's bad. It's not that bad for them. They could have done it with uh, Jose Mourinho as well. It was a decision True. that was made, I don't know, based on what calculations they did it. But the Rossi can make it. It'll just, I think this was, this this loss came in a time where he probably came in, boosted the spirits, did all that. And now the deflation happens. Now Roman's going to start yeah, you're, getting you're back difficult to the reality. Wins. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. But... <laughs> but the thing is, if you're him, you just say, hey, guys, look, these guys are the Champions League finalists. They're essentially the best team in Europe right now. It's an okay. We we showed up. Like, we really tried. Yeah. The third. But again, another player, We the Inter team just looks spectacular. I know we keep saying it, but I'm just like, there's just something about watching them. I'm like, if you are a football fan, you have to watch Inter Milan this year. Like, the way they do their rotations, the way they're flexible, the way they go three in the back, five at the back, the two up front. It's just stunning football, honestly. I reiterate again, they're, if they're not in the top, like in the four finalists of the Champions League, like in the semifinals, I'll be very surprised. Me too. Very, very surprised. I know. They're a great I, team. Selfishly, I do hope they and City match up, not in the final, but earlier. Because yeah. it's realistically, they're the two favorites. So one of them, I think... Inter could take on City in a two-leg uh, uh, thing. Could absolutely beat them. So that's why I'm really hoping they match up as early as possible. Yeah, but Serie A title is almost done and dusted for them. Let's see. Uh, let's see what happens. Let's see if... Uh, the, the most interesting part is going to be probably the top four race in Serie A from now on. Who's going to finish in that fourth spot? Is it going to be Bologna, Roma, or Atalanta? Uh, yeah. And Fiorentina is doing pretty well overall. Like, going forward, at least they seem a decent team. So they could yeah. be out in the shout. Uh, but Bologna, wow, fantastic season, honestly. Yeah. Just switching gears to the Bundesliga, which is another title race so this weekend was obviously i think the most anticipated game which was leverkusen at home against tommy t and his uh very mediocre Bayern squad and what can i say it was everything tommy we t. wanted it to be right tommy yeah. t doing overcooking again what was that what was that lineup tommy t huh where are they all his defenders not, they could not touch leverkusen man they set up specifically yeah. against Leverkusen. They couldn't touch them. Did we not Shocking. say that Tommy T is overrated and we got hate for it? Javi Alonso, man. He's the next uh, GOAT and he's going to come to Liverpool. He really is showing it though, right? He completely yeah. outclassed. I mean, of course, there's like the individual players and the, you know the, they were up for it, yada, yada. But it was completely outclassed. Tactically, there was there was nothing. It, it was boys against men. When, when usually when teams do it, like... If you think about it previous times, like Man City, when you play against Man City, when you know like you don't have a clear style of player or you're not confident enough, you start thinking of ways, how can I play against them? What can I do? United used to do it. Arsenal used to do it before. It's only Klopp and Pep who never changed the way they play. But others, people like, oh, I'll play two defensive midfielders. I'll play five at the back because we need to stop City and get a point. That was like historically what people do against a strong yeah. team. And this was exactly what happened against this game. And I think the commentator during the game mentioned that they only played this formation once against Mainz and they lost to Mainz. Mainz being like 17th or 15th in yeah. Bundesliga. It shows, it speaks of like not having no confidence in your team, not having no confidence in your players. And playing a diet at the end, like I read a comment somewhere, like you buy Tottenham, you get Tottenham. <laughs> like, yeah. no, honestly. The thing is, if, if they won, he would be praised for changing up things and setting up and like doing, being tactical. So that's not the issue really. The issue is like, he changed up badly 
and it's stupidly tactical <laughs> and yeah. it's just not working and he's not working with Bayern and uh, I don't know man like you bring in this guy you throw away potential treble last season because of him and now he can't even win a Bundesliga it's not all on Hurricane and his you know curse someone else True. has to take responsibility yeah, I there's a little part of me that feels a little bit of bad. I mean, obviously, the season's nowhere near. I mean, there's still only five points ahead, right? Like, at the end of the day, that could disappear very quickly. It only takes two or three losses, and then this yep. could be. But you just look at Leverkusen, the confidence that they had, and they were missing some of their start. I mean, Frimpong came off the bench. Uh, Palacios is Called still injured. Brilliant goal, though. Like, it's brilliant. FIFA, His, FIFA 2023 goal. Like, I have to say, Neuer flapping at, at the header and yeah. then conceding was so satisfying. So satisfying. We have to give... I know, just quick shout-out, because I know the Shaka, you have to give him credit, right? Like, he contr- bossed that game in the midfield. Completely confident. He's a difference maker in, in Leverkusen. Because he brings in that some sort of experience where everyone else is a little bit younger and on the younger side. So he bosses the midfielder and he's the brains of the operation. Liverpool didn't change the way they play. They played exactly. the same way. They played like they play. And Bayern couldn't do anything because they didn't know how they would play themselves. It was simple as is. And they had no answer. And Harry Kane was a bystander. It was a bystander. Like, do you remember a single moment from Harry Kane no. in this game? And that's, 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 that's a problem, right? Because he was obviously being instructed to stay in between the 18-yard box and not allowed to float as much, which means he's starved of the ball, and that means he's not yeah. involved in the game. So I agree with you completely. Completely, just, completely. Yeah. I know there's a long, long way to go. This is this is now. Like Before that, it was a conversation. We can Leverkusen win it. Can Leverkusen do this? Bayern was still considered a favorite. Now it's, it's Leverkusen titles to lose. And I know, yeah. they're unbeaten, and I know they'll probably lose one more game or two more games. But I, I also think that Bayern is going to lose drop more points. Like They will yeah, drop yes. more sure. points. For sure. Yes. And you know, part of it is the Bayern recruitment lately has been strange and unlike them. Because you look yeah. at the current team, like great team, like but it's filled with people who are very episodic players. We were talking about Leroy Sané. Leroy Sané has like ten goals and eight assists this year, but like you wouldn't say that he's the star, because it comes in such weird, you know, episodes. Sometimes he's like great, unplayable, and then you don't hear about him for two weeks again. And it's been happening all over, like. They don't really do the smart business anymore where they would go and raid uh, Borussia for free Lewandowski or they would raid <laughs> someone else where they would have Robin and Ribéry. Like, you don't really think about Bayern and someone jumps out as this star. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But uh, it makes it good, right? I think in the grand scheme, Leverkusen winning is good for the Bundesliga. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely. For sure. Oh, and, uh, on the topic of Leroy Sonny, like if Man City is selling a player that they don't want who's young and had one injury, means like something is wrong. So I knew I immediately know. once he went to it's, Bayern. It's not Man City, it's Pep selling, and Pep is just uh, kind of a cunt. So. Yeah, that, I actually I agree with you. It, it is Pep. It's Pep is the problem. Um, yeah. I think we should switch to the La Liga for a second. So. Again, another amazing game uh, was predicted. It was top number one versus number two was Real Madrid versus Girona, uh, essentially battling for their head above everyone else. Um, it was a Real Madrid with no center backs, but it, against Girona, who are the best attacking team. And the truth is they completely got 
rolled over by Real Madrid. Vinicius, it was a 4-0 home win. Vinicius, what do you even say at this stage, right? This was the the best versions of Vinny. I think it was one goal or two, sorry, two goals and an assist. The number of ridiculous tricks, attacking forward. It was it was the best possible outcome if you are a little bit Madrid. It was it was the sign of champions, I think is safe Another, to say. I mean, they're probably winning it. Girona was always a head scratcher slash uh far-fetched dream that they can compete till the end. Barcelona obviously shot themselves in the foot uh, with Javi being like, I'm not staying here anymore. You don't like me anymore. I'm going home. So Barcelona's like, <laughs> out, gone. Yeah, so Real Madrid's taking their deserved spot. Um, just to shout out Jude Bellingham. Jude Bellingham, two goals in the most important game, along with Vinny, tearing it apart. No defenders, no big deal, as you mentioned. Jude Bellingham has 20 goals later this season. 20 goals. So ridiculous, right? As a yeah. midfielder, really. As a midfielder. And he plays like Carlo Ancelotti plays him and like you play as an attacking midfielder or you can't play as a left center midfielder. Play as a play as a center back. Play as a goalie. Like he plays all of the players out of the position and he still gets 20 goals eight seasons. Haters will say this is what La Liga is. That's why he does these goals. Uh, in my opinion, Jude Bellingham is the first $100 million player who is a bargain. Nobody remembers that he cost $100 million. Declan Rice as well. Nobody even questions it, the $100 million. But for Caicedo and Lavia, I mean for Caicedo, nobody just mentions Caicedo. <laughs> just I mean, because they don't want to remember. Yeah, but I think this... the one other... I, I Everything you said is so spot on. And I want to do one more shout out, which is Chumeni is... The, the whole midfield, right? I think they, they, it just feels unfair. We talked about this, I believe, last year. It's like Tony Cruz was making passes that are so difficult and he looked like he was half asleep. 50, yeah. 40 meter passes across. I mean, it was just like shocking. Modric is chilling on the bench. Kamavinga and Trimeni are just shockingly good. Federico yeah. Valverde. And you just look at it and you're like, how the hell is any team supposed to compete with this Real Madrid squad that don't really have a, a striker right now and don't have the defensive? Adam Mappe there and another central defensive midfielder or the, the defender, sorry, central defender. Shocking. That's shockingly good. Shockingly Co- good. not even back. Nobody's even talking about it. They have Kepa in goal. Kepa has been ridiculed by <laughs> by everyone. He's their goal. So I, I, mean, I just like, you just look at how they've been hoarding these midfielders. I'm like, oh, their next generation is here. Like Modric and obviously Cruz set the standard, but the truth is it almost looks like Federico Valverde, Jude Bellingham, Camavinga, they're just going to pick up where it, where it was. Yeah. Like. The level is not going to drop, which is the best thing to say, right? There, there, there's no more compliment to say. That, that After that, that, Ancelotti's staying till another, for another year, uh, unless they do a Javi Alonso swap, but I don't think Javi Alonso's football is is compa- compatible with what Real Madrid play. Real Madrid play just a different type of football. Yeah, we'll fair see. enough. I think the last topic to talk, uh, just to touch on is uh, the AFCON VAR. So uh, this is right before Nigeria versus Ivory Coast. The hosts who have squeaked through magically. I don't know what they did. They don't deserve to be there against Nigeria. Um, but after seeing the terrible decisions and the way VAR is used in, by the PGMOL and then seeing at the AFCON, I'm telling you guys right now, I have a solution for the Premier League's VAR problem, which is to fire all the refs and all the VAR and just bring all the people they had for AFCON. It was the best usage of VAR I have ever seen, and I'm going to die on this hill, guys. Like, it is... Explain how. Explain okay, how. so quickly, I think with the PGMOL and like the uh, Premier League, the refs are waiting for the VAR to help them 
change their decision. Like if, if the person comes and says, oh, I think you made a mistake, they will always change their mind. But with the Afghan, they're confident and they just, hey, hurry up, give me, like, did I make a mistake? Yes or no. As opposed to like, it's their decision first. They're leading the game. All of the second refing stuff, it's like, oh, this hand, there's just a level of confidence versus the Premier League where they're re-refing, like VAR is re-refing. And I think that's like, you. it was so stark seeing them game like back to back. So like you see Afghan game and then you see a Premier League game. It's just embarrassing, honestly speaking. I have to agree with you, but I also have a point to make that everything comes from the top. Everything comes from the decisions that's making on top. So the PGMOL told the referees that this is how it's going to be. It's not that the referees are like, oh, I'm not confident enough to make my call. They make their calls and they previously... When there was no VAR, they were happy with their calls, and then they would go and rewatch it and be like, "Oh fuck, I made a little bit of a mistake here." But like now, they're like, the PGML told them, "Okay, we have VAR. You make the call, then we will review it, and then we'll tell you if you made a mistake, and then go watch your mistake." You know, piece of shit. Yeah, <laughs> small little box. That's the problem, man. <laughs> that's they a good wait point. for these people for like ten minutes to watch it, watch it, watch it, and then say, "Oh, I think there's a mistake." And then the referee has to go and watch another five minutes of the same shit. Why not just, if there's even a slight chance that there is a mistake, tell the referee, hey, go to the screen, watch it, see. Because the way it happens right now, if the referee goes to the screen, 99% of the time, it's already, you know, there's going to be a change. There's going to be VR. Yeah. Like, VR is going to switch. It's just basically formality just to make sure the referee also sees it. So just it's frustrating, you know, right? Yeah. It's very frustrating. But the point is that I think you're right. It should be like an Afcon, but also at the same time, the referees, they don't have the confidence because they know if it's going to get overruled. And the referees who review it also don't have the confidence. That's why they take so long to review it. Like, should we make this call? Is it a foul? What if we position ourselves like this? What if I, if I was a pigeon? Would I, that be a foul if I was a pigeon? <laughs> That's what they're doing. Like, they're reviewing this for so long, and then they come with the decision and say, based on this rule, this may be a foul. Come review it too. Like, it should not be like that. They should make one decision and stick with it and go ahead with it, and then find a way to explain it. They they find a great excuse to do it when it's Man City or Newcastle. They have no problem with making a call quite fast when it's not a penalty. Oh, what, the uh, Newcastle penalty that was sorry the the Ioni foul uh, that yeah. was not given was one of the worst decisions, and yet saying again right it's like can you guys justify how he wasn't given a penalty for that it was obviously how, a foul how long did it take VAR to review that oh how long <laughs> the fastest i've ever they're like oh yeah yeah don't worry let's just move you know on. why because they knew that this is not a decision they have they have to review it because like they people were would be protesting so they just did it the, again they were 100 confirmed that okay we're not going to give this penalty they just did it for for the thing of it. But when they're looking for the opportunity to me- find a mistake, they'll review like the Wolverhampton Man United one. When they reviewed it the th- thousands of times, they knew that they needed to give that penalty because the penalty would open up the game more. That's it. That's all. It's what they want to do. It is the controlling the narrative and making sure that there's some sort of spice in the game. Uh, it's so always been the case. Always been the case. Whenever I also didn't understand the point of like, oh, a big game, uh, and we like you. You heard this argument all the time, right? When there's a big game, and then someone goes and kills another person, and they're like, I hope he doesn't give him a red card. It's a big game. He's going to ruin the game. How is that an argument? That should not be an argument. If he killed a person, you give him a red card, regardless of a big game or not big game. It's a breaking of the rules. You cannot be like, oh, let's play 11 till 11 and kill each other because <laughs> a red card is, uh, is going to spoil the spoil the equals. It's so, so bad. They you have know a narrative what spoils the, the game? A 
bad tackle and the injury. Yes. Yeah. Ramos Salah. That's you know, every time that comes up, I always think Ramos Salah. That's the all that is the top of mind in my in my life. Um, you know what's the top of mind? I remember a final between Real Madrid and Juventus and uh, Ramos got Cuadrado sent off because <laughs> yeah. he just like touched him on on the ground and fell and then stood up and did this and they gave him a second yellow. Oh, Cuadrado so didn't do anything. He was just like he, he bumped into him and he gave him a yellow co- I mean some calls it, I mean refereeing in general is just shit. I'm glad that Afghan is, is doing Bro, well. I can't wait no. for the robots to take over. In general. <laughs> people are just so dumb yeah, yeah. Oh, man. final question uh, for you yt afghan is starting in a couple of minutes who's your in the next 90 minutes who do you think is going to lift the trophy i think nigeria is going to lift the trophy i think ivory coast luck is finally going to run out victor osime you mean victor. the with the mostest are not going to do anything yeah <laughs> I, I, yeah they're not they they really don't deserve honestly you look at them they're a terrible team i hate to say this to the ivory coast fans but that is one terrible Ivory Coast squad, really. I was, this... We're going to snip it even if Ivory Coast wins it. It's going to go <laughs> to the penalties, probably. Ivory Coast is going to win it. I did this to myself. I mean, they they basically went to the final as a snail. Like, that win yeah. against Mali was... was that's what I'm saying. Hel- hilarious win I've ever seen. Yeah. But yeah. And um, I think that's probably a good place to wrap up. Uh, there is Champions League is back this week, so we are blessed with more football. And then we have a terrible... In case anyone wants to torture themselves, Palace versus Chelsea is playing on Monday. Sounds like the worst game to watch, but I think that's a man walking and man, man, and dead walking. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. And on that note, uh, that's a goodbye from us. Yeah. See you next week. Peace.